1: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash.
0: With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only.
1: Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Phil Chair talk with our UFC 278 post show in which we have a new UFC welterweight champion, Leon, Rocky Edwards, one of the, I, I think one of the greatest endings to a fight I have ever seen. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm stunned as we are speaking minutes after watching this of what was just, dude, Kamaru Usman was just cruising. Leon, I, just, I I cannot recall someone so broken in a fight that just seemed like, let's just get this fifth round over with. I mean, it was stunning. It was totally stunning
0: absolutely i mean uh we we spoke last week about this fight and how it might play out and uh i was predicting that uh, leon edwards was going to win this fight uh but this was certainly not the manner and uh i was definitely doubting that prediction as we uh were heading into the 5th round
1: i mean this is probably a a ending to a fight that will rank up there among the biggest ever i i think like just it wasn't just the way this fight was going where Leon Edwards actually looked very good in the first round. And then it was just Usman turned it on for rounds two through four and was continuing that into the fifth. But then all of a sudden it's, there are 56 seconds left in the fight and Leon Edwards, who's just showing nothing, absolutely nothing at the end of this fight throws out this, this head kick and sleeps, Kamaru Usman and it is the combination of just this spectacular finish it's a new champion it's Kamaru Usman's second loss in his entire career since his second pro fight like there was just you couldn't have the stakes any larger the significance of this loss be any higher um you know there were comparisons on the broadcast to Anderson Silva's you know come from behind win against Chael Sonnen you know I I'm sure people would compare to uh Fedor losing to Fabricio Verdum, just you know just monumental um upsets uh, but in the most spectacular fashion on, on top of it
0: yeah i mean everybody i mean as you mentioned the first round leon edwards looked great he was able to actually get a takedown get mount and uh take the back and look for his own submission and you were thinking wow how could this uh you know can he really do it and then as the fight progressed We saw that not really. It didn't seem that way as Usman just took over, dominated with his wrestling and good uh, boxing combinations. And I mean, everybody thought it was done. I mean, his corner was trying their best to motivate him. Dean Thomas said he was broken. The broadcast
1: literally came on in the fifth round (laughs) and said he's not even looking his cornerman in the eyes during in between rounds because he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed by his performance. This man is broken, and I don't know. Maybe maybe Leon Edwards just I, – I literally, like, during this fifth round, I'm, like, looking up Leon Edwards' age, and, like, this guy – like, this is going to be so detrimental to his career. He had to work so hard to get to this title fight. It's not like this was a giant, um, you know, marketable fight, and this guy, on top of it, is going to have this lackluster, lifeless performance that can this guy even – revisit a title fight in his career and that's what I'm thinking was going to be my discussion with, with you afterwards of how Leon Edwards possibly finds his way back after such a j- just uninspired performance from rounds two through five and then this hits I mean like honestly like uh, it, it, it is the most incredible part about this sport of where this guy's career could have been heading and then he lands his head kick his whole career is now rewritten from this point forward
0: yeah ab- absolutely i mean uh you know I, he brought a title to the uk uh first time since uh michael bisping and uh just you know incredible reaction from the crowd who was you know largely behind usman uh from the get-go but you know he was able to turn it with that comeback and just as you know he's, he seems to have a very um warm personality that you know you can uh gravitate towards and just that whole history of how long it took for him to get this fight. I mean, how many times, you know, fights got scrapped and the whole winning streak. So yeah, amazing, amazing story for him. And it gets to continue and he gets to have uh, almost certainly another big fight with Kamaru Usman.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I kind of feel you have to do the, the rematch after this. Although, um you know, you do, you do have like, Hamzat fighting in three weeks, and stylistically, that's a hell of a fight with Leon Edwards and, and Chimaev. If you if you were to go with like an an in between opponent, but it just seems so tailor made. Like this this finish is going to be replayed ad nauseum on every single UFC broadcast from now until the end of time. That I I just can't imagine that unless there's like a a, a reason Usman can't come back. That I mean, this rematch feels like it could be very, very significant to do the third fight between them sometime next year.
0: Yeah. And I mean, definitely comeback of the year kind of cemented, uh, with this performance. And, uh, yeah, so I, I obviously Chemaev they're, they're riding a lot on him. Um, but it, it's, it's, you, 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 how can you not give Usman this fight, especially not just because he's such a long standing champion, but how this fight played out in particular. Yeah. The only downside is that it wasn't the most thrilling of fights until that. No, goes. I
1: mean, there's a high probability that the next fight is just this exact same fight, except a different uh, final 56 seconds. Like, <laughs> That's I, right people will be intrigued of lightning striking twice i think again because dude this was uh, just total domination by kamara usman save for the first round where he did have trouble but leon edwards like bookended this fight with putting kamara usman in the most uh, danger that he has been in his entire ufc tenure
0: yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that was a pretty exciting moment uh, in the first round and uh, he wasn't able to recreate it. He did attempt uh, some significant, uh, some additional takedowns, but uh, uh, it was really the element of surprise that was uh, allowed him to capture that in the first round. And he, he yeah, he wasn't able to recreate any of that uh, in the subsequent rounds, but uh, he didn't need to because he had that uh, one trick pony uh you know that he could fire off in that fifth round
1: we'll go through some of the highlights of the the fight itself but as you were um waking up today phil and realizing what you had to do on saturday night and you're skimming over this card what were you thinking going into ufc 278
0: um i i wasn't well the top three fights were were pretty exciting uh you know we had jose aldo uh versus marab and that that was a pretty highly anticipated fight because Jose's looked so Jose Sari's looked so good, and then you have this Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold fight. Uh, you know, never. A dull I'm sure moment. you
1: imagined it playing out exactly <laughs> as as it went.
0: Uh, never a dull moment with uh, uh, Costa or even Luke Rockhold on the card. Like always, I don't know if the word is entertaining or uh, just. Stupefying uh in the build up to to the event you know and what was Rock the word was... we
1: kept using after SummerSlam with that uh that brock lesnar uh tractor bit yeah, yeah just yeah. kept calling it a spectacle that's yes. what i thought la and costa was like that, yes uh, for some people that's going to be their fight of the year it's not going to be mine but my god was it riveting for the 15 minutes it lasted that we will certainly get into as uh th- th- this was a card that um Man, they brought up the fact that they were at at elevation uh, because they're they're in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I cannot recall a card where there were so many high level athletes that some of them were just totally exhausted on, on this card. Um, that man, it, it played a big factor on, on this. It, it reminded me, of course, everyone goes back to the uh, the the Mexico City card where Cain Velasquez kind of just became the 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 icon when it comes to uh, fighting at elevation but i remember that denver card when john jones fought quinton jackson and they booked a bunch of heavyweight fights on there i don't know why and that that was a pretty rough night to be watching guys just huffing and puffing their way but it like there were just a lot of performances on this show where you just seemed like man there were some people that were not ready to go the distance here and i think it played a factor on a lot of guys on this card
0: Oh, I, I, it definitely did. Uh, I, I don't even remember the last time that the UFC was in, uh, Utah or Salt Lake City.
1: 2016, they did a fight night there. Yeah. This yeah. This is well, only the second time they've been to Utah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, we were also talking about this. Uh, they, the Utah state, I don't know. Uh, there's a fund. The, the UFC got enticed to come and put on an event here and, uh, Uh, They were
1: promoting like, you know, like the the tourism in in, in Salt Lake City and Utah. So it would not surprise me if there was some kind of site fee attached to this because it was tied in with like, you know, promoting like the the tourism within the state. So and and you were pointing that out, that it seems that uh, Utah has been uh, introducing this initiative of bringing a lot of like different events to the state and UFC kind of fell under that.
0: Yeah, um uh but to go back to the uh the conditioning aspect, I guess, you know, w- the the fact that the last time that they were there it was it was just a fight night. I mean, I don't even remember what it was and uh I don't I certainly don't recall uh cardio being an issue in that one. So, uh it could be that people were just unaware of the elevation, although uh we did hear that uh Leon Edwards came 2 weeks early. Uh, to make sure that he acclimated to the environment and uh, I mean he certainly had enough in the tank in that fifth round
1: yeah they were explaining like the differences that uh, both are ready for elevation because uh, Kamaru Usman trains in in Colorado so he is used to this and Leon Edwards slept in a uh, like a special bed it's like, okay, I don't know if those things are equal, but, um, I, I <laughs> guess they were, uh, because dude, Leon Edwards like shut down after this first round, but let's, let's go back to the opening round and the, Major takeaway from this round was Usman just slipping up and Edwards capitalizing and taking him down, becoming the first person to take Kamaru Usman down in the UFC, getting mount and lands an elbow, then goes to the back and he's got a body triangle on and he's got some time on the clock here to work in and he does get in some strikes, doesn't really threaten to finish the fight. But this was a clear Leon Edwards round and started the fight off Um Immediately grabbing people because this was not just going to be a repeat of their first fight, which was not the most entertaining uh, 15 minute affair when they fought the last time, which was a fight past prelim in
0: 2015. Wow. Moving up in the world.
1: Uh, were you uh, impressed here with with Edwards coming out? Because you, I, I can attest that you did predict Leon Edwards to win when we were out <laughs> last weekend. Uh, seeing Edwards take Usman down, uh, were you just uh, throwing throwing out your prediction for the Hail Mary, or was this yep exactly according to plan? I knew Edwards <laughs> would get him down. Um, I I did expect him to
0: have good wrestling, and I did uh, I didn't expect him to be so aggressive uh, with the takedown, but. It, it was really just a situation, you know, timing and opportunity. He got uh, double underhooks and he got um, that body lock and he just used the used the trip. And, and I think Usman, uh, as I mentioned already, just was not expecting that. So uh, he gave up the position pretty, you know, he ended up in mount like right away and then he went to the back. So uh, I did not expect him to take down. Uh, Usman, like over and over again, or anything like that. But I did, uh, think he would have good wrestling and have good escapes, uh, from the bottom, which, you know, he generally did. He always did escape, uh, uh, the bottom position. But Usman was generally speaking over and over again, still able to take him down. And it, it did get easier as the fight progressed as well.
1: Yeah, um once the second round started like you saw Kamaro come out and it it just seemed like he had you know he was going to attack him with his strikes and pour on a ton of pressure and that's what he did here and would get his first takedown of Edwards in or sorry this is in the the second round I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here in the second round he he's attacking him with the strikes and then there was a an eye poke that that caused a, a brief timeout before they re, they they restarted the fight and it's Usman going to the body pretty heavily. And it's near the end of the second uh, that he gets the takedown on Edwards. And throughout the rest of the fight, it was with relative ease that Usman got these takedowns. And that to me, just told me like Leon Edwards, like was exhausted because he put up no fight for these takedowns. And if you watch their first fight, I mean, eventually Usman could get him down, but he had a hell of a time early dealing with Edwards and, by round rounds two and three, it, like there, there was there was no defense. It was Usman just like putting minimal effort and putting him on his back.
0: Yeah, there was even one uh, takedown. I think it was in the third where uh, Usman looked like he was just gonna fake for a single leg, and 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 Edwards just had no reaction, so he took it. And then, you know, he ended up, you know, getting him down off of that. But, but Edwards, like I said, he did always get back to his feet. Uh, so th- there was definitely improvements there. He, he did a good job of like fighting the hands, but until the finale of the fight, it was just so much of it, so much pressure. And also Usman was doing a good job of just like boxing him up when he got him close on the fence as well, which also made the takedowns easier
1: after the 3rd round i mean it's it's 2 and 3 are strong rounds for usman he's just between his striking the takedowns i mean it's relentless pressure and edwards is is not putting up a, a whole lot uh, but it was it was wearing down it wasn't as bad as it would get um but after the 3rd round like he just goes to his corner and this is where like he's not looking at his corner and they are just screaming at him because they're seeing this like you won a round against this guy you've already done what people thought was impossible you won a round You've taken him down and we're just watching this fight slip away. So mm-hmm. I can certainly understand like this. We are probably not getting another title shot anytime soon. If we like, this is our shot. So they are just trying to motivate this guy. And uh during the fourth round, uh Usman takes him down and you've got his corner yelling, you've got to get the fuck up, Leon. <laughs> and uh then Leon's like, oh, I do. You're right. It's,
0: it's just- the. It was the exact opposite type of corner from Usman. You know, he's got Trevor Whitman, who's like the quietest, most soft-spoken coach in the game, win or lose. And yeah, on the other side, you've just got the, the these foul-mouthed Brits who are just yelling at their guy to, to you know, wake up and get into this thing.
1: And, and for some fighters, like, they are going to want like the 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 technical advice that their corner is going to provide them. Others are like the the work is done. It's like I I need somebody that is just going to be my my motivator. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like all fighters are going to respond differently um to to have the corner that is is going to be most most necessary for them. So, after 4 rounds, it is a clear 3-1 uh scorecard that I think everyone had for Usman and we go into the 5th and it's just such a dejected like Edwards just seems like he is already mentally out of this arena and on the flight back home. Like he is just so despondent. He seems like he has no life left in him. Usman's controlling him against the fence, they get separated and Edwards uh kicks him low and then the replay airs and Rogan, this was amazing because Joe Rogan has never heard a uh, a timeout for a low blow that he has not questioned. It's like, let's see the replay. Let's get to see the replay. And 95% of the time, Rogan's skepticism is proven to be unfounded tonight. There were quite a few that Joe Rogan, this is going to fuel him for the next decade to question every single low blow because tonight between some of the eye pokes and the low blows that got timeouts, the replays, they certainly gave some ambiguity such as this, uh, this low kick that was more right, right on the belt line of Kamaru Usman.
0: Yeah, there, there was a lot of questionable ref moments, a lot of fence grabs that yes. probably should have been called and, it just like they're just so unwilling to uh deduct a point for a fence grab although there was one moment in this fight where uh uh leon edwards used the fence to pull himself up and herb dean sat him back down so i guess that's something but you know there's a lot of like fingers in the gloves as well in this this one it, it's like they really just, they really need to get consistent and actually take away points, and then these things will be reduced significantly.
1: Well, as. Uh, Rogan and Cormier were uncovering whether this was a low shot on Usman or not. The fight resumed, and we're just watching this thing tick down where we th- are just going to file away another decision victory for Kamaru Usman. And you and I, were going to come on here and talk about how we had this crazy fight with Luke Rockhold and Paulo Costa and then a main event with Usman and Edwards. And boom, lands the head kick. Usman is out four minutes and four seconds of the fifth round. It was just a shocking, shocking end. And then Leon Edwards just gives like the greatest speech ever as Joe Rogan is in the ring interviewing him. He's yelling into the camera. It was a really awesome speech that he gave. Look at me now, uh, addressing all the doubters. And then they play the Rocky theme uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the arena for it. It was quite the scene. It was pretty incredible. I I feel like this is going to be one of those um, all-time legendary moments that UFC is going to uh, promote.
0: Yeah, it was feel good. Uh, like I said, he he was able to turn the crowd, and how could you not after that amazing comeback and in that fashion with that head kick? And then yeah, gave an incredible, riveting speech. Of, you know about you know his whole path to this title. Uh, you know, dealing with injuries, dealing with canceled fights. You know, no contest against uh, Bilal Muhammad. I mean, this fight got delayed, so uh, you know. I mean, we were. We, we, We were unsure if it would even still happen up until today, right? You you never know with this game. But, uh, yeah, uh, incredible post-fight speech to top off uh, an incredible comeback victory. And you have to be happy for this guy. Like, just, like, I I got nothing bad to say about uh, Leon Edwards.
1: Odds-wise, it's not in that realm of greatest like championship upsets like it's not Matt Sarah I don't think it's Juliana Pena but but it's kind of the next tier m- mainly because not so much that there was this disparity between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman but it's Kamaru Usman's run that he was on the the nature of how this fight was played out and I I think there was um uh, you know from the first fight I I think Kamaru Usman had made a lot more improvements than Leon Edwards did that I didn't see too many people aside from present company excluded, uh, picking Leon Edwards, uh, to win this fight. Did, did you see, do you look at this as like a fairly big upset or, or you, you don't look at it at, at that kind of grand level?
0: Uh, it, I don't, I mean, it was an upset, but I don't think it's one of the bigger ones. I mean, I,
1: I like if Leon Edwards had not won in this fashion, if say he had just gone out there and won a convincing three, two or four, one decision, we wouldn't be talking about this as like this this big upset, like maybe mild surprise.
0: Yeah, e- exactly. Like, uh, and, and the way that I, I sort of, I, you know, as we were talking last week, when I said that, uh, Edwards was going to win, I said, if Kamaru wins, it'll look a lot like the first Nazvidal fight. And it was kind of looking like that a little bit, right? Although he was doing a little bit better with the boxing. And of course, minus the first round where, where he got taken down, uh, himself. Um, so, you know, he, I, I think at this point Usman is such a was such a known quantity, um, and we know how good he was. And Edwards, he's he's very good, but you know, because he's is we haven't seen him a bunch of times, it, it, there was a sort of like this unknown element to it. Um so I I I mean, it was an upset, but I I wouldn't put it as like one of the bigger upsets that we've seen. Now, I bet going into that fifth round, the live odds must have been like astronomical uh, against uh, Leon Edwards. So I I wonder if they even I don't remember them showing it on screen, but I mean, I probably would have had it at like minus 800, minus a thousand at that point for Edwards to get the W.
1: Yeah. Is this going to cool the talk of uh, Kamaru Usman going up the light heavyweight?
0: I don't even know. I do like these, these, these things that come out. Like, why do people even print these things? How did these questions get asked? Like, what? Un- unbelievable.
1: He was going <laughs> to leapfrog middleweight altogether and just go right to, uh, light heavyweight and I, I guess fight, uh, Yuri Prohaska. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that, that would be in the cards for Kamara Usman. I, don't I think, think the remit.
0: And it's also, it's, uh, this boxing match with Canelo's off the table too. Yeah,
1: this has really put a, a damper on these uh, these wild plans that that Usman had. But I, I think I think the rematch is what you do next. I I think that would be it. But um, dude, if you watch that that ad that they played tonight, like dude, they are putting all their eggs into the Hamsat Chimaev basket. Like they, if he wins, especially if in a, in a really spectacular fashion, um, I can't totally discount that they would want to go uh, to Chimaev. Uh, d- despite this kind of being your. Ready-made option. I would, I would say my 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 heavy odds would be Usman, but I I don't completely dismiss Chimaev if he if he looks great in three weeks. Yeah, I, I
0: wouldn't dismiss him uh, either. I mean, the one thing that you've got with Chimaev is he also competes at 185, so there's always the possibility you do a fight over there. Um, just you know, just have him headline uh, uh, f- like a fight night in front of a crowd. Uh, but, uh, if, you know, he wins spectacularly, the, the thing with that fight in September is it's, there's a good chance it does better on pay per view than maybe this fight did just because of Nate Diaz's star power. So depending on how popular it is, if it draws a bunch of eyeballs, then yeah, I, I, it, I, he totally could, uh, you know, leapfrog Usman, which sounds crazy to say. Um, but again, a lot of that is timing, right? Like how quickly they want to put that fight together, right? Because they still don't have a main event for December. Although the talk is they wanted Jones uh, on that card versus uh,
1: Stipe. Usman also got like knocked out. Like it, it was a pretty bad knockout. Uh, yes. The most, you know, obviously the most significant uh, of his career that he's, uh, you know, damage that he has taken that if if Edwards is ready to go in like January, February, like who's to say Usman is is ready to come back. And that's where it comes down to the timing issue. So uh, we will see. It was, uh, it was interesting that typically on the pay-per-view they'll air the video for the next pay-per-view and then they come back and we get the matchup board of the, of the pay-per-view main card with the five fights tonight. It was just the video for Nate and Chemaev and we come back and that is the only fight they are pushing because I think if they put the five fights up there, um, like, dude, second from the top is probably going to be Johnny Walker and Iwan Kudalaba, yeah. Shamil Abdurahimov against Jailton Almeida, Hakim Dawadu against Julian Arosa, Arena Eldana against Macy Chason. Like, they, dude, they are believing you're buying this fight, for, uh, this card for Chamayev and Nate Diaz, and that's. And they're probably not wrong. It's probably uh, we we don't need to load up this card. People are going to buy it for for this one fight. But there is there is no support for this main event. It is all on this because if one of those two somehow could not make it, I don't think this pay per view it would be canceled. It would one hundred percent be canceled if one of these two got hurt.
0: I I, yeah I, I totally agree. Like one of the worst main cards of all time, I'd have to say. Like like and and even the main event, like as fun as it is, like seeing Nate. It's it's it it's not a good matchup. So uh, it, it's, it's it just it might
1: be a very depressing fight for for Nate Diaz fans.
0: Yeah, yeah. Other than the fact that you know it's it's his final one and he's finally free of his contract, so uh, that'll that should bring a lot of intrigue to the fight. I, I, you know what the pre-fight uh, antics might be the week of all the questions surrounding his contract and the status and. Um, although you know, Dana's saying, you know, he's got a chance to win, of course.
1: Yep, yep, there's a chance. Uh, Paulo Costa against Luke Rockhold. Uh, I don't know how we're gonna break down this fight, but uh, th- this was quite the fight week where Luke Rockhold was just putting the UFC on blast on the UFC's stage. I mean, this guy was, um, this guy had had no F's to give all week, and was very outspoken uh, to the point that his his media day uh, appearance, they did not even put that up on the UFC YouTube page, uh, along with all the others that did their Q and A with the members of the media. Um, so it was it was very interesting. Like he's like listening to him. Like I I appreciate like the the candidness that he that he had. I also looked at it that this guy. It, it was, it was really hard if you're someone that's like looking into like a guy's headspace and where he is. This is three years removed from his last fight and he was taking on a guy that was going to be very, very dangerous for him. Um, I, I did not see this one getting out of the first round. Um, it did. And I mean, it was, it was quite the spectacle as we will get into here, but, uh, Did you follow any of uh, Luke Rockhold's uh, media appearances this week? And did you have any thoughts about kind of where he is? He's 37 years old coming into this fight, but it's been a long time since we've seen him.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, in in regards to the media appearances, I did see some clips of him on Ariel's show and you told me about uh, the, the, the media scrum he did. And so I did check that out and yeah, I mean, it was very intense. Um, There was a lot of bitterness there. Uh, It felt, you know, on the Ariel show, he straight up called the UFC a mafia. Um, So it was that just led me to believe that this was in general going to be his last fight, because, uh, you know, how can you call your employer these things and expect any type of positive return back? And uh, regarding, you know, his age, like we've seen him like get some be brutally knocked out in several of his uh, last fights. And he also has just a lot of wear and tear on him, injuries and and all that. And Paula Costa, even though, you know, he's lost his last two fights, the last one, he didn't look that bad against uh, uh, Vittori. And, uh, and he's, he's right at the top of the division. So uh, I was not expecting uh, the best uh, Luke Rockhold performance.
1: Yeah, when you, when you when you go down like since since the loss to Michael Bisping which was over 6 years ago, he's only had 3 fights since then, not including tonight's with uh with with Paulo Costa. So Rockhold is out and he has been given permission he can wear a sleeve over his shin and the fight begins. Uh Costa looks in uh I mean both guys look uh you know in tremendous uh shape, but uh Costa uh, especially like he just seemed to be in uh in peak form here. Uh, Rockhold, shoots in and he just starts getting drilled repeatedly. I thought this was going to be it almost immediately, but he comes up, he's all marked up on his forehead, but he's, he's able to survive here. And it's Costa that gets the takedown and mounts Rockhold, uh, but loses it. Uh, Costa was able to get a few takedowns in this fight and even get Mount several times. Uh, he had no ability to maintain Mount though. He was, I mean, it was just almost with ease that Rockhold escaped these, but, um, a strong coast around um, Rockhold's highlight though, was just attacking the body. And he just hit these big four body kicks um, and kind of the, the theme throughout this fight for Rockhold was that, I mean, number one, he was totally exhausted by the end of this first round. I can't remember uh, a fighter being so tired. He was leaning over, but all of his offense was just it was expending, like, what? what is going to be the most taxing? Because that's going to be what I, what, I, what I put out here. And, I mean, this guy had an unbelievable amount of heart to make it through 15 minutes. But at the end of this first round, if you had told me, what are the odds this guy's going to make it another 10 minutes? I would say absolutely zero. Absolutely zero this guy is going to make it two more rounds. Because he looks like he is about to faint. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, I think, yeah, this was... The level of, uh, like fatigue that he was demonstrating, like, as you mentioned, it's very, you can't think of a situation in such a high level fight where it was like that. Like, I think back to like Rodolfo Vieira, uh, when he got submitted by, I don't even remember who, who it was, who like some like minus 1,000 or some plus 1,000 underdog. But, uh that But that was not such a high stake fight, and Luke Rockhold is somebody who's been known for conditioning uh through his career. I mean he's never really looked tired, so but I think you know the layoff plus the altitude plus the nature of the fight it was crazy from the get- go that that all played a a big factor in that, and yeah, I did not think it was going to last, but
1: uh <laughs> oh boy, did it. Surprise, surprise. So uh, Costa wins the first round. In the second, uh, Rockhold comes out and he's aggressively going for the body. He gets a takedown, but when Rockhold would, would get on top, it was just like he he had so much, um, you know, he was just leaving openings and ju- just seemed to be, um, you know, cr- creating these, these own problems for himself to not be able to capitalize with, with these takedowns. Cormier is noting, and this is Daniel Cormier speaking, who's been a teammate of his for over a decade. I've never seen Luke Rockle this tired. So, I mean, that is really telling, Um, considering the source here of Daniel Cormier. Uh, but then every time, like, you're thinking, how's Rockle going to muster this? Like, he would come out with something. Like, he, had, he landed this left hand and stunned Costa. And the thing is, Costa is also getting tired here at this point. So you're starting to get into this territory where both guys are gassed. But neither is going to uh, give up here. And it's just Rocco continuing to expend so much energy and Costa then punches him right on the cup. And he thinks the fight is over, but referee Mike Beltron is explaining, no, uh, you hit him in the balls. And Cormier <laughs> is on commentary. He's yelling for Luke, take the full five minutes, yes. take the whole five minutes. But he only takes a minute 25 of it, perhaps sensing that he can see Costa is also tired and doesn't want to give him a chance to rest. I don't know, but he... He needed these full five, but he did not take them. Um, I thought this was another Costa round. And then we go to the epic third round. They like if, if they had energy meters, they would have been like flashing red. Like this is game over reach into your pocket. If you want to continue playing the game, because we need some more coins. Costa loses his balance. So. Rockold leaps into his guard, but Costa quickly gets out. Rockold is just throwing everything, blasts, blasts him in the nose. And then Costa is like, they're both like talking shit to one another. So Rockold, like pretty much says, fuck you, and nails him with this left hand of death. Rockhold then shoots, but it's, it's the worst like attempt at a takedown here. He's just easily stuffed and he's put into side control. And this is where they're swearing at one another. Rockhold reverses. He gets on top. This crowd is going nuts at this point. And then to end the fight, Rockhold, whose nose has been busted up for most of the fight, rubs his nose and all the blood all over Costa at the end just completely disgusting and uh costa wins this fight by unanimous decision 30 27 all that was the the same score i had um how did you score the fight phil i mean this uh, is one where, i mean i
0: i mean i had it 30 27 as well but i feel like we need to like make it 30 26 and dis- de- and uh remove one point from luke Rockhold's score just for the disgusting blood-smearing uh, moment at the end of the but this also- was
1: totally gross and yes. dude Joe Rogan calling this replay he watches the replay and he's like that is so hilarious <laughs> that's so Luke Rockhold <laughs> it's like of course that is your reaction I am appalled watching this this is this is the the same uh, promotion that they had to replace the ring canvas on Fox because they didn't want blood to be shown Uh on network television. That's how worried they were about their perception. And now it's like zoom in, get the replay. He's wiping his nose full of blood all over this other man. So is this,
0: this is the, this is the, this is the most famous blood moment. I think in UFC history is BJ Penn, Licking the blood off of his gloves after. Okay, this is way more. Gross. The, the, yeah, this is this is this is surpassed it uh, by uh, you know leaps and bounds. It also, you know, the, there was also these great moments in the fight where they're talking to each other, and Luke just keeps saying "fuck you,
1: fuck it you." It <laughs> was. I mean. It was it was two guys who like they had nothing left by the by the end of this round. So, I mean, it was super compelling because it was just they were throwing all that they had left at each other, especially Rockhold. uh, So it was it was a really dramatic fight and the crowd went nuts for it. And then after the fight, uh, Costa gets interviewed and then Luke Rockhold says he can't do this anymore. He's talking about all that he's been through the last few years. I'm fucking old. And that looks to be the end of Luke Rockhold's career. I, I cannot say that, uh, that, that sounds like a bad decision, uh, to, to be making at this point, just given it, given everything like this week, it was weird. Like he seemed to be really into this return, but at the same time seems totally, uh, completely diametrically and philosophically opposed to everything this company stands for that. I just don't know um, if this is really the, the avenue you want to be continuing down and that this, this performance really did. I'm sure the elevation affected this. I've never seen Luke Rockhold this tired ever in a, in a fight. Um, So that part was a a bit jarring, but um, yes, this does bring an end to Luke Rockhold's career. If you believe it will be the end of his career.
0: I mean, I think it'll definitely be the end of, well, I mean, I don't know what his contract status is, but I would assume that this is the end of his run in the UFC. I mean, he just like against, you know, he was a strike force guy. He's a Scott Coker guy. So if, if I see him again, you know, Bellator wouldn't surprise me, but, uh, I think because of the miles on the body, really, it, it does make sense to end it now. And yeah, it was a defeat, but it was a very compelling fight and, if if, you know, you have that, I, I, I honestly believe
1: people are like 10 years from now, if if people are talking about Luke Rockwell, like, let's say Luke, <laughs> I was gonna say if Luke Rockwell goes into the UFC Hall of Fame, I don't know if he will be the top candidate of uh, people they are going to necessarily honor. Yeah. But uh, if they do, like, I feel <laughs> this fight is going to live in infamy, right up there with him winning winning the title. Like, yeah, I, I think. I think this one will be like th- this fight will probably age very well with people in terms of their memories of Luke Rockhold and his legacy. Uh,
0: yeah. And like historically, people have kind of been sour on Luke Rockhold, not for because of his skills uh, or anything he does in the cage, because he just sort of comes off as like one of the most obnoxious personalities. Uh, outside uh of the you know of the fight time but with this performance and you know a pretty feel good speech at the end uh you know you know you you can't help but like you know have a soft spot for him uh as uh, you know maybe he makes his last uh, appearance
1: yeah i would i would say if you, if he did not hear all the stuff this week and just like it's one thing when fighters are outspoken it's it's quite another when they're doing it on like on the ufc's turf during the promotion like we saw a bit of this with Tony Ferguson earlier this year but this this was like exponentially more that I, I will say for the on the UFC side I thought it was nice of the fact they at least did give Rockhold the chance to like speak after yeah. the fight. Yeah. like that could have been a production call like listen they did not put his stuff up on their YouTube channel they could have said just cut after Costa where and he doesn't get to do that that speech and they did give him that you know, that, that ability to have that nice send off. And also as he's leaving the cage, Cormier gets up and gives him this big hug that's caught on camera, which was a cool moment as well. And just watching those two, like, it really struck me that that, that really does conclude that big AKA era with with Kane, Rockhold, Cormier, and Khabib now all gone. Um, that that was, you know, those are the big four that you associated with. And at one time, um, four of the top fighters in the world, all under one roof there in San Jose.
0: Yes, and also uh, there's. Uh, I mean, it, I don't. Is that the conclusion of the Strike Force guys as well? Like, is anybody left from that era? I don't think so, because you know, Jacare is gone now,
1: and yeah, uh, like like Woodley's left. U- Woodley? uh, UFC at least. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just I'm racking my brain right now of guys that. Uh, yeah, that that pretty much. Yeah. Luke Rockwell would, would certainly be your most prominent that is uh, that, that, that is still around.
0: So, mm-hmm. um, there you well, go. Uh, one uh, piece of breaking news, by the way, since uh, you mentioned Tony Ferguson, it looks like UFC 279 is getting bolstered. Mike Bond of uh, MMA Junkie reporting that Dana White confirmed that Tony Ferguson versus Li Jing Lang at Welterweight will be added to UFC 279. Wow,
1: in three weeks. Yeah. That's a well that that card needed something um beyond do, do you think that that card needed more do you feel like that like that main event is big enough that the people that are buying it are buying it regardless just because of that fight
0: I think that Nate Diaz is certainly enough of a draw to pull in a certain crowd but where he excels is when he has a great opponent and uh I think uh Hamzat is a great opponent but He's captured the imagination of the u f c audience, but I don't think like anybody outside of like hardcore fans know who he is yet. This is an opportunity for that now. what this also does, as you meant, is like potentially if there's an injury or something happens where the main event can't happen, you have these one of these guys maybe can step in right so I would uh, imagine
1: what that's what Tony Ferguson is there for, although um it would be criminal to put Tony Ferguson against Hamza Chimaev at this point. It,
0: it, I mean, it would be criminal to put uh, Li Jing Lang against him. I mean, we already saw what happened the first time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, that was a that's a very very rough knockout that Tony Ferguson is coming off of, and I mean, that's yeah, that's a very quick uh, fight to to make for three weeks from now. Uh, so then, uh, moving on from the uh, the, the Costa Rockold fight, it was Jose Aldo against Murab uh, Dvalishvili, and I was very intrigued by th- by this fight. And the first round, um, Jose Aldo looked very sharp. Um, he came in, looked great, and early on, uh, Dvalishvili is going for a single leg, and Aldo, like his his takedown defense, was phenomenal in this fight. Uh, unfortunately, like you, you don't get points for, or you don't get credit from judges for takedown defense. Like that's, that's its award in and of itself is that you're not being taken down. So Aldo did introduce a leg kick in the first round and then timed a knee to the body, tries for a flying knee into the cage, and he's going uh, for the body of Devalish Vili. Um, close first round. I gave it to Aldo. Did you see Aldo winning the first round? I,
0: I did, but it was a very, very close round. And so, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that Murab won this one either, but I did give it to Aldo just because I thought he had like the stronger strikes and he was able to escape those uh, takedown attempts with uh, relative ease.
1: The second uh, round, Aldo is continuing to defend takedowns. And you, you have to wonder if that was starting to kind of kind of wear on Aldo as well. Um, he's pressed against the cage. Marab is starting to get, um, you know, he, he's controlling this round. The crowd is booing as he continually shoots for takedowns. And that was kind of the most interesting part here because – over a 15-minute fight, uh, Marab typically averages over seven takedowns per fight. He got none in this. And Aldo, his takedown defense is like 90%. So one of those uh, was going to win out, and it turned out to be Aldo. Uh, so third round, I had it even after, after those two rounds. And then the third round, uh, th- this was the most clear-cut round. Uh, Marab just... Walked him down, was striking. Aldo had definitely tired by the third round. And uh, Marab still could not take him down, though. He went 0 for 15, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, but did use his striking here. He was clinching with Aldo, knees to the side, and won that round. So I had it 29-28 for Marab. Afterwards, the judges scored it 30-27 and two 29-28 scorecards, none of which I had uh, a big issue with because I thought the first two were close rounds. And um, yeah, but I did give Aldo the first.
0: Yeah, I I gave him the first as well, Uh, not the second. I didn't think the second was that close, really. I know that, uh, what was it? Pedenaris in the corner said... Uh only if a judge scores stalling is they gonna uh give them that round. But it, it was in that round, Aldo really didn't get anything off, so even if it was quote unquote stalling, that was the offense of the round, and so uh I think you had to give it to Marab.
1: Yeah, I think this was one where, I mean, all those takedown defense was phenomenal throughout the fight, but I mean, that's not going to win you the fight. And he, he looked, he looked very sharp in the first round, but it just seemed like that output just depleted in the second and the third. It was pretty much, you know, th- th- there was nothing, um, essentially. So, um, that, that was kind of the fight. And then, uh, Davalich Vili, uh, wins. So his, uh, unbeaten streak has now extended to eight fights, uh, that he has won in a row. So Joe Rogan asks him, Uh, You know, your training partner is the bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, and he gives this long answer about the potential of fighting Sterling, and he asks for people to no longer ask this question. We are brothers, and he goes over and he hugs Aljamain. I was waiting for the follow-up. Marab. does that mean you're picking uh, TJ Dillashaw to beat Sterling? (laughs) Is that what you're hoping for? Because uh, what are we doing here? Are you uh, just going to fight other guys and not go for the title? I don't know. Uh, look I,
0: I I we've heard this before I mean George St. Pierre uh when there was discussions of upcoming you know uh newly retired uh Rory McDonald uh you know when he was uh early on in his career coming up George St. Pierre made it clear that he wasn't going to uh, fight a teammate and uh you know for some people and uh it's not just you know a sport it's it's martial arts there's uh brotherhood in that, and uh, for Murab, that seems to be uh, important for him. Uh, but yeah, of course, it, it puts a damper on his career prospects. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of good talent in that division, so I think that there's a lot of opportunities for fights that you can do in the meantime. And you know, it's it's a type of thing you can revisit, you know, in a year if if Aljo has really. You know, has defended his belt multiple times, but there's a lot of good people uh, waiting. So, uh, you know, if Marab is unwilling to do that, then you know he can fight those guys.
1: Uh, Just looking at the uh, the stats that they uh, put out, so uh, Marab was 0 for 16 on takedowns in in the fight, but uh, yeah, uh, you know his his output just extended as as the fight wore on. Had a a very big uh, third round, so. Uh, sixteen takedowns nonetheless that Aldo uh was able to defend is uh, no small feat but it does end Aldo's uh three fight win streak because plenty of people thought that Aldo could be in line for a title fight if he won this especially against a guy the level of Mirab. but um in jose Aldo like no he did not win this fight but I think this guy has plenty of fights still available to him it's you know he came out and they were like giving the, like like granted, he has, he has reached that status where he is now in almost like this, this legendary light that people place him in. He's still 35 years old, which is remarkable to me that it's like all that he has done so far. Um, but you know, I, to me, he can still compete with a lot of bantamweights. Um, maybe he's not going to fight for a title again, but you can still do uh, a lot of fights with him over, you know, the, the course of the next, I, I, I think he could fight for another two to three years.
0: I, I agree, and 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 even the, like how many fighters could replicate this type of performance that Marab gave? Like the constant pressure. It's one thing to try. He, take he's never had and a fight where he has of...
1: not gotten a takedown. Like they yeah. brought up on the broadcast, his previous worst outing was getting two takedowns on John Dodson. Like dude, he got shut out by by Aldo in that department. Like that that is a you know some value that Aldo walks away from this fight with.
0: Yeah, and and just and just the, you know, Mirab's cardio output, like it's it's not easy to replicate that. So, um, you know, wh- what about Corey Sandhagen? That'd be that'd be a good one.
1: He's fighting uh Sonya Dong in a uh, uh okay. next month, but I mean, there like we have a bunch of bantamweight fights coming up and there's going to be winners and losers of those fights. Like bantamweight is so deep that you're not going to have a shortage of options. Um, yeah. And and Marab can uh, can have his pick of the non champions uh, <laughs> that, that he can go through hard fights um, that at least temporarily are not leading towards a, a championship fight, but who knows? I mean, Aljamain Sterling that's that's hardly a gimme that he beats TJ Dillashaw either. Uh, we'll go through the re- the rest of these uh, fairly quickly. So uh, Wu Yanan took on Luzi Putulova. Uh, Pudulova won, won the first round. And then in the second, uh, Yanon is landing, landing several leg kicks and Pudulova responds, uh, gets a headlock and takes her down to the mat and then gets her back. Yanon is fighting the hands to try and get out of danger, but Pudulova moves to side control, mounts her, and then drops all these elbows on her for the stoppage at four minutes and four seconds of the second round.
0: I thought it was a really good performance. Pudaluva looked great in this fight. She had a sharp jab. And, you know, she's somebody who was out of the UFC for uh, quite a while. But if you go back and you look at her losses in the UFC, Justine Kish, Antonina Shevchenko, Liz Carmouche, and Irene Aldana. And since then, she's won uh, six out of seven uh, to get back into the UFC, including tonight's fight. So... Uh you know, I, I think, you know, somebody to keep an eye on. Uh she, her her boxing looked really good. So uh I, I'd like to see her against, you know, some tougher competition and uh you know, always nice to have uh fresh blood uh in the women's division.
1: Yes. Uh, I, I thought she had a, a very nice performance uh, in, in this fight. So uh, a nice story with her coming back to the UFC and now uh, putting some wins together as well. And the pay-per-view opened with uh, Tyson Pedro and Harry Hunsucker. Sounds like a villain in a um, like, teen novel. I, w- I
0: was thinking of uh, the Cohen Brothers movie, you know, the Hun Hunsucker proxy.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, um, this was a lot shorter than a... Than a <laughs> than a feature film uh, Tyson Pedro, who of course he missed three years of action due to a variety of injuries. And then he came back earlier this year, beating uh, Ike villain by knockout in April. And in this one, uh, he made very short work of Hunsucker. Uh, he nailed him with a jab as Hunsucker was coming in, followed with a front kick to the body, which Uh, It was lights out here for Hunsucker as he took this body shot, an uppercut, and then several more strikes as he went down. A minute five, this one goes, and Tyson Pedro gets the win, improving to nine and three. And this audience went nuts because they had just sat through a bunch of decisions on the prelims, including um, a very taxing heavyweight fight that we'll get into in a minute. So they were happy to see a stoppage.
0: Yeah, and he gave a nice little uh, promo thanking where he got the crowd uh, all excited because, you know, he said, I haven't fought in front of a crowd for years, so make some noise. That's right, and, yeah. And so th- that was that was a nice little moment. Definitely, uh, uh, you know, on uh, any other card, it'd be one of the you know one of the more memorable performances. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, still a very good one. And I think uh, obviously he needs a step up in competition
1: yeah this this should catapult him in that light heavyweight division which is always a division that needs contenders so i i would certainly see him uh mo- moving up in the ranks and yeah it'll be interesting to see where where he is uh paired paired next after this because this was very uh, short but but very good performance from him uh the prelims included Marcin tybura and alexander romanov and this was one where um Elevation certainly had its impact. Romanov looked like a monster in this first round. He just slams Tabura in the air. And, and Tabura is a bigger heavyweight than Romanov is. But Romanov is this 16-0 rising star that's that's gone 5-0 and 0 so far coming into this fight in the UFC. But he just gets uh, collar-tied here, and he's drilling him with knees. It was a dominant round uh, for Romanov. I, w- I went 10-8. And then the second, it was like, this guy was like, oh, where are we against Salt Lake City? (laughs) Because I just gave everything I had to those five minutes, and this dude was so tired. Uh, Tabura is just, uh, you know, picking him apart. He defends the takedown, and this is where there is a a, a low shot on Romanov, um, but the replay shows that it was to the body, and Jason Herzog takes note of this. So this was one of our uh, several, like, phantom penalties on the show.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Romanov was gonna milk whatever he could get to get, you know, get get some win back.
1: So uh, Taburo, I, I felt won the second round, and then in the third, they start the round off by hugging, and uh, Romanov is doing the Ali shuffle. Um, which I mean, this guy was. Odd choices that, that he was making. Like He, he needed to win this round. Uh, Tabura is attacking him with jabs. There's a need of the body by Romanov. But at this point, both guys are pretty spent. Um, this, this was not uh, a pretty end to this fight. Uh, and Tabura ends up winning by majority decision. Uh, 29-28, 29-28, and 28-28. And uh, yes, great great first round performance from Romanov. And then there were 10 minutes that followed it.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Uh as the broadcast pointed out, you know, he's somebody who didn't even have a fight that went the distance uh prior to this. And uh it it's it's a good learning experience. It's a way to see your the, the holes that you 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 may have. Obviously not every fight's going to be at elevation, but you should be prepared for every situation and you shouldn't be doing the alley shuffle in the middle of a fight that's very close because He started twerking at one point. Yeah, like, it was it was it's like, yeah, it was and then he looked befuddled when the decision was read. It's like, I mean, maybe. Those you are could, my favorite. You could have, maybe it could have been a draw, right? As you pointed out, like the first round was uh, I, a, a I had death, it as a draw. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I had it as well. Like a, a, a rare 10 8 from me, but it, I think he, I think the like the total strike count in the first round was like 40 to zero
1: yeah i so, did not get I, I don't think he landed uh a shot in the in that first round so yeah uh, yeah i i felt it kind of had to be a a 10-8 but getting the the elusive fill uh 10-8 over there <laughs> yeah he was tabura was 0 for 3 in the first round when it came to significant strikes uh next up leonardo santos and jared gordon uh very unoffendable first round um Gordon hit a, an uppercut to the body and then le- landed uh, several strikes uh, in the second round. Uh, Santos got to the back and Gordon grabs the fence to prevent the takedown. And Daniel Cormier is just incensed. He's like, I really he's like, I don't have any skin in the game of who wins this fight. That's just really annoying that this guy because Santos was on his way to getting him down to the ground. And this fence grab did prevent that. Um, So Gordon doesn't get taken down. He uh, did land uh, more strikes than Santos in this round. And then in the third, this is where Gordon is warned about the fence grabbing by Herb Dean. And it's Gordon pressing the attack. He's certainly the fresher of the two. And he's landing with jabs. Santos tries for a single leg and he just holds on. He's got nothing as the crowd is booing and they just end in a clinch at the end. Uh, 30-27 scorecards across the board for Jared Gordon. That was the the scorecard that I had had. And then Jared Gordon, after winning, they've got the camera on him and he's there on camera just long enough to realize that they are not sending anyone in to interview him. And he he did look kind of um, it, it. He looked a little disappointed that he wasn't going to get to speak. But if you were looking at the time, they had to squeeze in that heavyweight bite before the top of the hour. So they had to get going.
0: They missed, they missed the pay-per-view start time again. Every show they miss the pay-per-view startup i guess now that they're used to make it it,
1: like clockwork like they never ever would miss it and now it is more common that they because
0: they're not on they're not on pay-per-view they're on espn plus and it's like they can go however long they want to they can be late if they want to but i know on pay-per-view they were sticklers for time because if you go over on pay-per-view you're paying extra by the minute or so uh anyway it's 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 very frustrating watching these cards go long on the prelims.:
1: Sean Woodson against Luis Saldaña. What a fight this was. <laughs> oh my God, I, I forgot because this was like eight hours ago. So Woodson is just ridiculously tall for featherweight. I mean he's not very um like he's skinny, but he's so tall. Uh, for, for this weight class and he's using his reach early on, but then Saldana clips him. Woodson goes down and he's hurt, but Saldana doesn't follow up. He like, he knocks him down and then he like, I don't know what he was doing. It was yeah. like, he was just walking away to like admire his work, but it's like the fight's not over. He's not done, but he's compromised. You could have finished him. So then it continues. He gets back to his feet and there's a left jab that drops him and Again, it looks like Saldana is going to finish it. And he just walks up to Woodson, who's got one knee down, and drills him with a knee to the head. Saldana thinks that the fight's over. He's celebrating. He's cheering. And Mike Beltron, who was awesome on this show, this guy didn't put up with anyone. He was swearing at these guys. He was just having none of it. And he brings Saldana down and explains this was an illegal knee I thought he was going to get disqualified. This knee, like, dude, it hit him hard. This was like Peter Yawn and Aljamain Sterling. Like, it hit him flush. And the fight continues. He got a point deducted. um, But this was a very strong round for Saldana. So I had it 9-8 after this one. But what a bizarre, bizarre round where this guy literally had this fight won twice and (laughs) prevented his own win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One... One of the worst fight IQ performances, uh, and there have been a few, uh, in the last few months, but just, yeah, the first, the first one was really crazy because like, he dropped Woodson, and Woodson's like wobbled too. Like it's not like he dropped him, and he just gets up. Like oh, you clip me, and I'm down. Like he, as you said, he's he severely compromised at that point. And then yeah, the next one, just the the knee to the head, just awful decision making. And then and then he celebrates on the cage. So I think that there was an element of an adrenaline dump that happened as well oh, after totally, that. Totally, like yeah. this guy
1: for the second and third rounds. Like, it like it was just it was the combination of it. Like he he exerted all this energy mentally. You think you've won the fight, um, and then he's got to continue. So in the second round, Saldana gets a takedown, and Woodson from his back uh, applies his submission, and. Anik is trying to identify it, and Rogan, dude, Rogan shined here. He was like, "That's the buggy choke," and he's explaining like, "This is a submission that a lot of high-end jujitsu practitioners are are playing around with now." So, I mean, he instantly identified this. This was like the best of Joe Rogan.
0: Yeah, it, it was uh, the the choke itself is sort of like it's kind of like a it's the same principle as an arm triangle, but you're you're like holding on to your own leg. Uh, around the, the shoulder and your it's from the bottom position as well um but uh yeah i i've i've actually never had it applied to me because uh i haven't been doing jiu for the last couple of years so as you mentioned this is sort of like a new thing um but uh the principles are, are, are that it's uh like an arm triangle type of choke
1: so yeah woodson had this applied and had it for uh the rest of the round he couldn't submit him with it so um I still gave Woodson the round, but then in the third, both guys are tired. It's getting pretty sloppy here and it's just, you know, getting to the end of this round. Uh, Saldana striking. It wasn't pretty, but I thought he was the more active of the two. So at the end of this, uh, my scorecard, what did I have here? I had it 29, 27 for Saldana. The scores were 29, 27 Saldana, 29, 27 Woodson. And then the third judge had it 28, 28. So it was a split draw. Um, I did not feel that bad for Saldana because he uh, he should have won this fight. He I still scored the fight for him, even with that point deduction. Uh, but he did not get it. Um, unfortunate, but man, you you pried that victory out of the jaws of defeat. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I, I should actually... I say he he pulled a a draw out of the jaws of victory. Um,
0: I, yeah, I actually did score to draw because I did not give that first round, like the, the nine, eight as you did. And yeah, he he has only himself to blame. Just a a horrible. And, and, you know, you could see it on his, uh, his corners face too. They were like after the fight, even before the scores are read, they're like, dude, like, what were you doing in there?
1: it's not at the level that i mean kamaru usman will will go back and watch this fight and it's going to be very hard to watch knowing that it's like he didn't be it was like i just got caught and it was i went out but this guy is going to rewatch this fight and he's probably just going to uh be very angry watching this second round
0: yeah and i don't i don't think that the ufc is going to be too happy with him either so i i don't think he's going to get uh an upgraded spot for his next fight
1: AJ Fletcher and Andre Lausa. Uh, the first round, uh Lausa won where he was uh Fletcher was varying up his strikes and then Lausa found his range and stunned Fletcher and Lausa just charged in, landed a knee to the body in the clinch and then hit this great looking uh, uppercut and a double leg to end the round. In the second round, Fletcher uh, gets taken down but he's back up and this round Fletcher's nose is all bloody, but then he starts unloading on Lausa and he gets rocked. And this dude looks like he's out on his feet, but he, tur- and he's just eating all these strikes from Fletcher. At one point, Lousa turns his back like he wants out at this point, but uh, the referee, Mike Beltran, he lets it, it go and Fletcher eventually shoots on him because dude, Fletcher spent Everything. This was our first like extreme gassing out situation because Fletcher just annihilated him. And to be quite honest, I think like you could have called this like he literally turned his back to the fighter like he was done um but anyway Lausa got taken down and this allowed him to recover it was an unbelievably crazy round and then Lausa comes back in the third round and dude Fletcher is on empty he's got nothing left and Lausa just dominated him on top with elbows with strikes it was like a one-sided round at, at the end of this all so Lausa wins by unanimous decision on scores of 29 27 and two twenty nine twenty eight. But But um, again, Fletcher, um, I, I was stunned that he didn't get the win in the second round, but that was it. He had nothing left.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty entertaining fight until sort of like the last part of the third round. Uh, I, th- I feel like Lusa could have maybe gone for the finish, but I think he, he'd lost two in a row, and so maybe he was just trying to make sure he got... Uh, Sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I think he was just trying to make sure he got the win and, and not take any risks. But yeah, Fletcher was was done. I'm shocked that he actually made the finish because he was so exhausted uh, by by that third round.
1: Yeah, so common occurrence on the show, dude, there were some tired individuals here that are not going to be raising their arm the next time they go to Salt Lake City and uh, a mirror. Albazi versus Francisco Figueredo. Uh, this one only went around. Uh, Albazi was coming into this fight. He's a 2 and 0 in the UFC and 14 and 1 overall in the uh, flyweight division. Um, Figueredo threw a kick and then immediately got taken down as a consequence and albazi is dropping these big strikes on him uh, albazi then hooks the leg takes him down a second time and gets to the back rolls to the rear naked choke and gets the submission rogan and cormier very impressed with albazi uh, calling him a contender and he wins at 434 of the first round and the funny part was that when rogan went to interview him he consulted with the translator but then said i'm just messing with you I don't need a translator. And then he said, the flyweight division is full of killers. I'm the biggest one. The king is back. He wants to fight in Abu Dhabi. And I'm going to submit all the black belts. I thought this guy was great.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't really get his little practical joke on on Joe Rogan. It didn't really make any sense. He had a good speech ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was ready for it afterwards. And yeah, I mean, very impressive performance um, against, you know, a significant opponent. Um, So, yeah, you know, flyweight, you know, a division that was on life support not too long ago is uh, one of the
1: most exciting in the UFC. This guy, he's he's 15 and one. He was a giant favorite on this card. He was a minus 475 favorite. So he's uh, he's another name to watch in the division. Uh, Orichi Lung versus Jay Perrin, uh, the Mongolian murderer as he was uh joe rogan loves this nickname he said it's the he thinks it's just the best nickname the mongolian murderer is that the best nickname in mma
0: (laughs) no it's not the best nickname in mma it's not even the best nickname on this fight card
1: well tell joe rogan (laughs) that he loved this um so uh orichi lung is coming back down to uh He's returning to 135 after competing uh, at flyweight for several fights. Uh, he won the first round. There was a left counter that stunned Perrin. Uh, he was ve- uh, Orichi o- o- Re- Lung was very quick on his feet. He was landing uh, a lot of counters in the second round. Uh, Perrin got on top in half guard, but then they're back to his feet. Uh, Orichi Re- Lung then takes a right hand that stuns Perrin. Uh, good technique. He was using calf kicks, his hand speed, his head movement all on point. He was up two rounds. And then in the third, um, this is where uh, Orichi Lung is very quick with his hands, but then Perrin gets going and connected with a knee to the face, got the takedown, and they had a big exchange in the final seconds, uh, the most significant exchange of the fight that Perrin got the better of. So I added 29-28 for Orichi Lung, which was what all three judges scored it.
0: So uh, I didn't get a chance to see these first two early prelim fights because uh, Anthony Joshua and Usyk were still going on at this time. So I, I, w- I was watching that fight.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll recap this other fight and then you can tell me... Uh... What what went wrong with uh Anthony Joshua, but the opening fight um all three fights on the uh the fight pass prelims they they were very good i I thought they were all entertaining fights. It was a Victor Alta versus Daniel de da Silva and de Silva uh drilled him, dropping him with a right hand uh but then Alta Marino got up to his feet and uh, Alta Marino snuck in a knee to the body that puts De Silva down, and then he was attacking with body shots, hammer fists, and he got on top and elbowed De Silva, cutting open his forehead. And uh, Alta Moreno is destroying him with elbows, and De Silva has not given up his guard play yet he's still eating all these shots but he's trying to get something from his guard but finally gets finished with elbows as he's just covering up and really has no defense at this point so ultima Altamir- wins at 339 of the first round with the tko victory and that concludes ufc 278 um entertaining card i mean there were some performances where uh, guys were not ready for this elevation and others where. Um, They had some spectacular uh, finishes, including one of, I would say, the most spectacular in the case of Leon Edwards. But I've got to say, overall, I was pretty entertained by a card that going into um, there was interest, but I I was not expecting this to be an all time memorable, memorable card. And this one, it had its moments.
0: Well, yeah, certainly the top two fights. I mean, the 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 Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman fight, the fight itself was, you know, it was okay, but it it was pretty one-sided for the most part, but a finish that will be remembered and replayed over and over again. And then yeah, the Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold fight, it's just like unforgettable. It 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 sort of had like a similar type of crazy feeling that um Gachy versus Chandler had in that it you just could not keep up with the zaniness of the fight and it had these bizarre moments. But uh uh yeah, so just those two fights alone make this uh something worth uh checking back on if or actually watching if
1: you didn't get the chance. How was the how was the boxing fight? Boxing was great. I
0: mean, uh I thought J- Joshua looked pretty good um uh early on, and then Usyk came back. Usyk The thing with Usyk is he has incredible movement, and it was very difficult for Joshua to land upstairs, and Joshua was working to the body, and it it was working for him well. There was one point, I think it was the sixth round, where he ended the round with a straight body shot that clearly hurt Usyk, but ultimately, Usyk's uh, footwork and head movement... And his own power were just too much for Joshua. So tough spot for Joshua. He's lost these uh, two fights in a row and it kind of kills the opportunity at that uh, Tyson Fury fight, at least in the short term. Um, But he's still a huge star and I I have no doubt that there's uh, people would still still be interested in seeing him fight. And then Usyk, you know, it's it's an amazing story. I mean, it was was a great quote-unquote upset the first time it happened. Uh, And then You know, he, the war in Ukraine happens and he's on the front lines there and they've given him an exemption to leave. And, and so there's a lot of that is like on his back, uh, for this fight. And so it made it really compelling. I thought it was, I thought it was a very good entertaining fight. I mean, high level boxing is like one of my favorite things to watch. And this was definitely that.
1: Did you catch uh, Kayla Harrison's fight at all this afternoon?
0: No, I didn't get a chance to see any of the PFL or MVP versus, uh, Mike Perry. Yeah. Mike,
1: <laughs> Mike Perry won, or uh, won a decision against MVP. I mean, semi-surprising. Uh, Kayla Harrison just steamrolled, uh, Martina Yendrova. It was just, I mean, mechanical. I mean, she just took her down and worked and got, uh, you know, mounted her, got an arm triangle, pretty simple. And it sets up the third fight between Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco for later this year. They fought twice in 2019. So, um, that's it. It's kind of just Kayla Harrison. I mean, L- Larissa Pacheco, she's at least won all of her fights since they last fought. But I mean, it's just there's such a grand disparity. They have mm-hmm. the odds of like the in the in-fight odds on the on the screen for PFL so during the fight uh if you wanted to wager Kayla Harrison was a minus 20,000 favorite. Oh wow. I wow. Was, I have not even seen a number like that in my life
0: that's when it comes the, to yeah. odds. Yeah, so. that's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I I do have to give a, uh, like tip my cap to Kayla Harrison because even without these opponents she has been able to create a name for herself. In the MMA world. And of course, she's getting paid significantly by PFL. And, you know, hopefully at some point, she does get some type of significant fight does seem like there's an opportunity for a cyborg fight to happen. So uh, it would be nice if they could make that uh, put that one together.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's ideal. I have no issue with someone that is just make as much as you can in the sport for the limited time that that you can do it. I think she's 100% made the right decision in her career. And hopefully they they can put together like a, a sizable fight and just to see the curiosity of like what, what the level of interest would be uh, for, for that type of fight. But I will say PFL like they got creative here, booking this fight in London um, almost 10 years to the day that she won her gold medal in London at the, at the Olympics. So there was like a tie-in to doing this uh, in London. So anyway, that was going on this afternoon, a very busy day in combat sports. And for the UFC, uh, it will not be a busy weekend next weekend because they're off. Uh, they come back on September 3rd with their debut in Paris, France, which is headlined by Cyril Gon and Tai Vasa, as well as Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori. So that's a, that's a nice, uh, one, two for a fight night card. And then in three weeks time, it is UFC 279, Hamzat Chimaev against Nate Diaz. And as Phil relayed to us, Tony Ferguson and Lee Jing Liung.
0: I mean, it's, it's 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 the second best fight on that card. It
1: is, it, right? it, by leaps and bounds. It's the second biggest fight on this card because the next is like Johnny Walker and Iwan Kudalaba. Ugh. So, yes, for that card, uh, it will be myself and Eric Marcotte that will be uh, doing the post show, and we are going to give the floor to one Phil Chair Talk. Thank you, John. Uh, so I
0: just have a couple of announcements. So uh, this first uh, this week. Uh, we actually completed the, uh, Twin Peaks Watch Along that we started, uh, almost 15 months ago. Wow. And many came and many went, but ultimately three were standing in the end. Chris from Ottawa, AKA Hacksaw Jim Powers, myself, and Kendall, the one true king of Ohio. Uh, we made it through, uh, three seasons of, uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, it was great to rewatch it. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years, and I'd forgotten all sorts of things, and it was just lovely, bizarre, surrealist entertainment. So thank you to everybody who participated at any point, and uh, thank you to Chris and Kendall for uh, making it through uh, with me to the end. And uh, the next thing that I just wanted to say was... Um, this is going to be the last time that, uh, you see me on the post show. Um, I'm, I'm taking a step back, uh, from what? this. <laughs> I'm sorry to break this Excuse news me? to you on air, John. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, the, the couple of reasons, uh, there's some things going on in my personal life, uh, that are, they're very positive. So, uh, and, uh. I'm a little bit burned out of this sport. Uh, I've I've been following it for a really long time, um, and I, I just don't get as excited about the the cards typically, and I'm, I don't follow it as closely as I used to. And uh, I think you need to be a good, uh, you know, somebody who's like really paying a lot of attention and uh, thankfully the post world has one Eric Marcotte who is just on top of this game and, and knows it uh, knows these fighters and fights better than me now. So uh, he's going to do a great job uh, filling in for me. Um, So yeah, that that's the news. I did want to just have a a few thank yous uh, to anybody who's helped out uh, throughout the uh, years with some video production stuff. So I'd like to thank uh, one Davy Portman, uh, one Jordan Goodman. I'd like to thank Richard Avian, Neil Flanagan, Mister Wei Ting. Of course, I have to thank Eric Marcotte. dude. You're 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 just a straight gangsta, and I know that you're gonna do you're gonna kill it on these shows because me and you have talked about how, how much he's improved since starting this stuff. Um, you know, and and he's only gonna get better. And then uh I wanna thank my daughter Violet, who has suffered through many UFC cards on Saturday nights and, you know, some shitty Sundays where I'm tired and not uh the most joyful person. And uh And then, uh, of course, last but not least, I want to thank you, John, for giving me this opportunity and inviting me, uh, here, um, you know, uh, it was something that I wanted to do and you (laughs) let me do it and, uh, it was, uh, it was a great run. I had a lot of fun, uh, um, you know. I, I, you know, you let me write the articles too. We did well, five questions. Right. Remember five questions? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, you know, it, it, uh, I'm very thankful to you for giving me this opportunity and putting me on, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's. This is your job. This is your career. And so for you to give me uh, this time and space, uh, I, I cherish it very much. So I'm very thankful to you and everybody in Post World. Anybody who left a, a mean comment uh, or a good comment, those two, if you liked the video, anything, if you watched, like, thank you, everybody. It's uh, It's been a fun ride.
1: Well, Phil, we uh, we we all thank you. You have uh, people probably don't realize that, that Phil has done like a ton of stuff uh, behind the scenes uh, in the post world for us. So uh, it's been my pleasure to have you on all of these shows and get to uh, chat with you uh, at an extended length uh, one, once a month, even when it's at uh, ridiculous times on a, on a Sunday morning, such as a. Uh, 235 as it is now but uh phil will still be around uh he is always a member of of the post family so he he will still have his his presence felt here here at post wrestling
0: yes yes absolutely i'm I'm not i'm not disappearing entirely uh uh we do have a what what do they call it is a super chat jake nader with some nice words thanking me uh for everything i've done over the years so thank you jake for For that and uh, some other nice words coming in from uh, Brandon and Dickie Bird and uh, Yaparka, Yaparka. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, yeah.
1: Let's end it on this note. Is there any fight that you would more prefer to watch with Brandon from New Jersey than Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold? (laughs)
0: I I mean, I I feel like if I was going to watch a fight with uh, Brandon from New Jersey, it would have to be fight circus because that's like, that's his, his, you know, that's his thing. And uh, I I have no doubt that his commentary would be uh, on point.
1: Well, In the spirit of Elite XC, we will will move on from uh, from that. But thanks to everyone for tuning in for the UFC 278 post show. Again, we'll be back uh, with UFC 279 in three weeks' time. And uh, that will be myself and Eric Marcotte. So look forward to that. It's very late. Thanks to all of you that stayed up with us or downloaded the show on Sunday like a normal person would. But we appreciate all of you. So thank you for tuning in. And that wraps up the UFC 278 post show.